I must tell you what, uh, what an honor it is for me uh, to be here uh, with you today uh, for a variety of reasons, not just to be in this incredible room uh, here at Bluff Park in the gathering, but, but also because of the deep affinity and affection that I have for your pastors here at this church. Um, I've gotten to know Mike uh, Holly a lot over the past several months. He has been uh, mentoring me through the ordination process, and I couldn't have asked for someone better, uh, someone who's taken an incredible amount of time out to help me sort of uh, get through that, get ready for these interviews. And, and so uh, Mike has been a blessing to my life, and then I, I can't say enough about Ross. Um, I got to know Ross kind of randomly in seminary. We were both uh, at SMU for seminary in Dallas. And, and there was this, this guy in one of my classes. He was up front, and he had, he had a hairstyle that I knew either had to be Alabama, Mississippi, or Georgia. So I knew he was from that area because there weren't many of us there. And then he spoke. He spoke, and I was like, oh, he's definitely from kind of like one of those areas. And then I, I spoke to him, and we figured out we were both from Birmingham and, and all that, and we uh, went through seminary together. I, I came back to Birmingham before he did, and then uh, he happened to get appointed to the church that I was working at at the time at River Chase. But I want to tell you this uh, about Ross, and, and I'm sure he's watching this be embarrassing for him, but I need you to know something about him. I need you to know something so you can feel good when you come and, and sit down here and you listen to him uh, interrogate the scriptures and kind of lead you through this, I need you to know something important. At every seminary, someone finishes dead last academically. And that person is pastoring a church somewhere right now. But rest assured that Ross wasn't that person. <laughs> he wasn't. Ross was always at the front of the class taking notes, learning everything that he possibly could. He was in the front of the class uh, taking notes, listening to the lectures. I was in the back of the class watching football on my computer. So we had two different things. So I, I just tell you that to, to let you know uh, how blessed you are uh, to, have, to have Ross. And, and I'm just thankful uh, to this congregation here at the gathering, but also uh, the Bluff Park community for how you have loved uh, Ross and Madison. And I can tell you this from speaking uh, to Ross leading up to this and before it, how deeply and how much affection he has uh, for you. So it's an honor. It's an honor uh, to be here with you today. Today, we're going to be in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 4. If you have a Bible, you can turn there with me. We're going to be looking at verse 30 through 32. It says, and he also said, what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nest in its shade. What an incredible parable and, the, and these visuals that we're seeing here. Uh, Jesus obviously teaches in, in a lot of parables. He even says in the next couple of verses, which I kind of find uh, hilarious, he says, with uh, many such parables, he spoke the word to them and they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables. So basically when he's teaching the crowds, he's teaching in these parables. But he explained everything in private through the disciples. So the people that were sitting there listening to Jesus, he doesn't explain everything to them. He just explains it to the disciples. So they're sitting there, they're listening, and they go off, and they've got to figure it out on their own, which is 
sometimes unfair, but that's just how this works in this parable. But where we find this is kind of at the beginning of Mark's gospel and just a little bit of context about Mark. So Mark's gospel is kind of a a three-act play. So from chapters 1 to about midway through chapter 8, it's about Jesus' life in and around Galilee, kind of the beginning of his ministry up in in the northern part of Israel. From the second part of chapter 8 through chapter 10 is about Jesus' journey from the northern part of Israel down towards Jerusalem for the final days. And then the end, from the end of chapter 10 to the end, is about the last days in and around Jerusalem. So in chapter 4, we're finding Jesus' early teachings in the Galilee area up there in northern Israel. But he teaches this parable. He's telling these parables about what the kingdom of God is like. And he used this illustration that, that would be confusing for people to hear. Because they were probably expecting, oh, he's going to describe the kingdom of God as this all-conquering force that's going to descend upon earth. It's going to descend upon earth. It's going to get rid of of the Roman occupation that they're dealing with. But he compares it to a mustard seed. A mustard seed. He says the kingdom of God can be compared to a mustard seed, which, while tiny, eventually spreads and grows a large tree where birds can nest. And what is he talking about here? What is he talking about, especially in this? We see the mustard seed uh, parable being told in, in different gospels, and sometimes it's talking about like our personal faith, like faith of a mustard seed can, can move mountains. But here he's talking about the kingdom of God. And what it seems that Jesus is referring to is that the kingdom of God, this mustard seed, this small little thing being planted, In this moment when Jesus is with his disciples and the people will one day spread to inhabit the entire earth. That's that's the concept. That's the idea. That with a small seedling of faith, these small moments where Jesus is teaching them, these moments of Jesus' life in this kind of tiny part of the world will one day spread everywhere. And there's such beauty in that illustration for us. And there's such a challenge for us as well. Because what this is telling us is that the kingdom of God is going to start in this moment with Jesus. That Jesus is going to live on earth with the people. He's going to show them how to love, show them how to treat one another. And then Jesus is going to go back to be with his father. And then it's up to us. It's up to us. Jesus leaves it with us. And how terrifying is that? I got to be honest with you, and, and maybe, listen, just maybe, just maybe, you guys here at the gathering, you got it all together. Maybe you guys are perfect. Sin's not a problem at Bluff Park. Maybe that is true. But I can tell you as a pastor at, at, at my church that, that I'm kind of a mess. I just want to be honest with you. I'm kind of a mess. I have problems. I get it. I wear the collar. I'm a professional Christian. I, I preach. I preach for a living. I was called into this. But I got to tell you, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. My wife, if she were here, she's with our, our, our new small group we're starting at our church. But if she were here, she would tell you that. There are times where she asked me to do something, and I don't do it. I don't do it, and, and, and I know, it's bad. 
I don't do it. And, and I, don't, I don't mean to, but, but I, it's, I, I'm not perfect. There are times where I, I accidentally lie. And, and my wife does this incredible thing. I told this, I've told this story before at my church, and, and I want to tell it again because it just tells you about, about my problems that I have. So my wife goes to work. She's a school teacher in the Vestavia Hills um, school system. She goes to work before I do. And I will wake up to a text message from my wife every single day with a list of, of suggestions that, that, I, that I do before I go to work. Whether that is um, take the dishes out of the dishwasher, put the dishes in the dishwasher, clean up a little bit, scoop the kitty litter, all this variety and sundry things that I, I think she wakes up, she showers, she gets dressed, she walks around the house and is like, well, this is a problem, this is a problem. I think that's what happens. But I, but I will sit there and I will read this thing and, and I, I respond like the, the, the good husband that I am and say, I will do these things. And then I don't do it sometimes. I don't do it sometimes. And so then I, she'll get home and she will realize very quickly that I have not done it. And then there's trouble in the Barnes house that we experience in and my wife is, is wonderful. And all that to tell you is like, I, I'm a mess. I'm a total mess. I've been a mess my whole life. My whole life long, I've been a mess. I, I've, I've done things that, that, that I regret to this day. Um, if, if, if people knew me in, in certain parts of college, the idea that I'm like a pastor now makes absolutely no sense. So the idea... The idea that the kingdom of God is spread on this earth through people like us makes absolutely no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. But the reality is that that is what the scriptures teach us. Jesus has 12 people that are close to him. And he teaches them everything that he can possibly know. If you read Mark's gospel, you see that they typically don't get it at all. But he teaches them all these things. And then the concept is you're going to learn all this stuff. And then you're going to go out and tell other people about it. Let's look at these disciples. They weren't perfect either. They're fishermen. They're tax collectors. They're sinners. They're normal people just like us. And Jesus picks them. I always like, you know, make this, this commentary on the disciples. If you were drafting, if you were drafting like, all right, we're going to start a worldwide movement. And we're going to pick 12 people to help us do this. This is not the lot you would pick. This isn't the lot you pick. You'd probably go to Jerusalem or Rome or some other religious center where there were educated people who kind of understood all this stuff, and you might pick them. But Jesus picks fishermen and a tax collector to be like the people that he's going to use to spread this message, not just throughout Israel, but eventually throughout the world, people like that. People like me, people like you. But that's the beauty of this entire picture. That's the beauty of this entire picture. And we see this from, from really the beginning of Scripture all the way to the end is the Lord using the ordinary people, the ordinary people to spread, to spread this message throughout the world. We see it with the disciples. We see it uh, throughout uh, the book of Acts and Paul's letters and all these different characters that we meet and some of them have some some interesting passages some interesting stories and god uses them the lord chooses them to take this message out into the world 
But how do we do that? How do we do that? Because I have to be honest with you, the idea of, of me like, you know, taking this faith of a mustard seed and taking it out into the world and telling other people about it is terrifying. I went to seminary for a, a really, really long time. I think Ross graduated in the typical three and a half years. It took me about seven. But that's for a variety of reasons, not because I repeated a lot of grades, just to be clear. But just took me a while. So I got educated, like really extremely educated. I've studied Greek and Hebrew and, and all this frontwards and backwards, and I still feel ill-equipped sometimes to take this out into the world. But Scripture teaches us that what this has to look like, what this should look like, it's not about your knowledge of Scripture or how well you pray. It's about one thing and one thing only. It's about how you love other people. How you love other people. One of the most terrifying passages in all of Scripture for me is at the end of Matthew's Gospel when Jesus is talking to the disciples for one of the last times, and he's talking about the end times. He says, listen, I'm going to basically separate you. You're going to be separated into two groups, into sheep and goats, and, and, and part of you are going to be on this side, part of you are going to be on this side. And he basically says, and the ones of you that did it right, I'm going I'm to look at the sheep and I'm going to say, listen, when I was naked, uh, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was in prison, you visited me. And when I needed shelter, you gave me a place to sleep. And he said, I'm going to look at them and say, good, welcome, all of you. And he said that they'll look at him and say, when did we do all these things that you're saying to me? When did we see you, Jesus, hungry and give you food? When did we see you, Jesus, in need of a place to sleep? And we gave that to you. When did we see you, Jesus, in prison? And we came and visited you. And Jesus says, when you did this for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it for me. Listen, I, I, have, I, have, read, I have read these scriptures frontwards and backwards a million times. A million times. So much. I've studied these things. I've, I've tried to, to pull everything out of it. I've studied different theologies all across the spectrum. I've, I've tried to learn as much as I can. And the reality is, in, in all that learning, the thing that I've come back to more than anything else, and this is so basic, but it's so crucial, is at the end of the day, I can know all this from frontwards to backwards. I can pray better than anyone else. I can preach. I can, I can sing incredible songs. But if I don't love other people then I have completely missed the mark on all of this. The kingdom of God spreads from a mustard seed out into a large tree by the way the people of God love others. And that includes loving people who don't look like you, think like you, or believe like you. And that's sometimes hard for us to imagine, especially as American Christians right now when it seems like the entire world is trying to rip everything apart. I have, listen, I'm, I'm not your pastor, but if I can give you just like one piece of advice about how to make this easier on yourself, stop watching the news. Just stop. Just stop. I've, I've been around a lot of people in my life and I've never heard them say, you know what? I was watching Fox News, CNN, or MSNBC last night. And after I watched the whole program, I felt really good about where we are as a society. I felt, you know what, I, I felt good about it. I think we're moving in the right direction. I felt a lot of, like, uh, compassion for people that don't believe like me. I just, man, I just feel really good. No, no one's ever experienced that because, like, they get viewers and clicks or whatever you want to say by making you feel uh, pain, sadness, outrage, or fear. 
But how are we, the people of God, supposed to spread this message out into a world that needs it the most if that is the feelings that we have? My prayer, my prayer is, as, we, as we look at this parable and, and, and see the incredible promises it is that the, the kingdom of God starts small and then expands out and the fact, the matter, that the Lord chooses to use us in that mission to do that, that we, in spite of all the chaos that is going on in this world, all the uncertainties that exist in our country, around the world, in the United Methodist Church, all of those things that we would focus on what truly matters the most, and that is loving one another. Listen, I'm the missions pastor at our church, and every day I wake up to, to something going on in our community. Something going on in our community. There are things that happen right here in Hoover, Alabama that are are horrifying and stunning to me. There are people every night in Hoover, Alabama that don't have a place to sleep. There are students in our schools. I moved from Fort Payne, Alabama. If you know where that is, yay. But I moved from Fort Payne, Alabama, in the northeast corner of the state. You, you probably passed it if you're going to Chattanooga, Gatlinburg, or Knoxville. But you, you passed it is like a two exits. But I moved from there to Birmingham as a freshman in high school. And I remember we were coming to visit different schools, and, and I, I ended up going to Spain Park. But I remember my mom and I pulled, and we see this thing in, in the distance. And we thought it was like a junior college. Like there was no way that's a high school. My middle school had three hallways. This has three stories. And so we walk in there, and we're walking through the halls, and they're showing us the food court. Oh, my gosh. We have a food court, and, and they're talking about they have two gymnasiums. One's just for practice. And then they're talking to us about pee, and it's like, oh, yeah, in the second semester, you guys are going to learn how to do archery. It's like, oh, my gosh. This multi-quadrillion-dollar building with all these things, and yet, and yet, right now at this very moment of the 1,500 uh, kids that go to Spain Park and the 2,000-something that go to Hoover High School, there are people in each and every one of those students, students that are going to bed at night hungry. They're going to bed at night hungry. They don't have enough food to eat. They don't have enough food to eat on, on the weekends. Our, our church does a backpack ministry, and, and I see it all the time where we take these bags of food to these elementary schools and middle schools and high schools throughout our community. There are people that are hungry. There are people that don't have a place to sleep. There are people that need food, clothing, shelter, and we have the audacity to get into arguments over things that don't matter. Oh, Lord, may we be a people. May we be a people. May it start with us who take the love and goodness and grace and mercy that the Lord has showered upon us sinners and show other people that love even if they don't look, or think, or believe like us. We can read these parables about what the kingdom of God looks like, but I know what the kingdom of God looks like. It looks like a bunch of people a bunch of people from all walks of life, from different belief systems, from different countries, age, races, sexes, anything like that, all coming together to worship the thing that binds us all together. That's why I love the fact that in this service, you take communion every Sunday. I love that. I long for something like that. And not only do you take communion, you guys have the cutest little like all-in-ones that I've ever seen in my life. We have the ones where it's like that weird plastic cellophane thing, and so in the service you just hear people trying to crank that thing open, but this 
is gorgeous. And apparently the bread's better from what I've heard. So that's amazing. But I love the fact that you guys take communion every single Sunday because it's in communion. It's around the table that the Lord prepares for us that we discover, that we discover this concept that is so true, that the Lord invites the table literally everyone, everyone. Think about when the Lord is instituting this supper. There are people surrounding him that have done all sorts of things. He knows sitting there in that room that one person, at least one person, is going to deny him three times. He also knows sitting around that room that another one is the one that's about to turn him over to the Romans. And they come to the table and experience the grace. And it's the same thing that binds us all together. Every single one of us is bound together by the fact that Jesus Christ came to die for each and every one of us, especially and even though we did not deserve it at all. Came for us, sacrificed for us, died and was resurrected for us. And so that when we come to the table, we are reminded of the grace and mercy that's been showered upon us. And the challenge for us is to take that out to them and to bring them in to experience it as well. May we be a people. May we be a people who in the midst of chaos and darkness and, and, and sadness that exists in our world, may we be the people that bring the light of the Lord into those dark places. May that be us as the people of God. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning into our message this week in the gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.